Now, the 10 series is all about looking at the 10 commandments in a fresh way, like in a way of like, how does that work for us today? And um, I want you to hear the heart of the 10 commandments, not necessarily the rules of it, but the heart in behind it, the spirit in behind the 10 commandments. So we're going to start with the first one this morning, which is in Exodus 20 verse 3, and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. I've always wondered why this is the first one. Like, there's all sorts of commandments, like don't murder, don't steal. Why does this have to be the first one? Well, first of all, because we know that God is always first. But the other thing I think we need to understand about is that when you think about the solar system that we live in, all the planets evolve around the sun. The sun is the central focus that all the planets evolve around. And the reason why this is the first one is because this is the central point or the central commandment that all the others evolve around. God lies at the heart of the commandments and holds them all in place. It reminds us that we cannot remove God from the commandments. This is something that people often try to do, to remove God outside of the commandments. And the reality is, I could speak on the commandments this morning without even mentioning God. I could say to you, hey, don't murder, don't steal. It's not a good idea to cover other people's stuff and take their stuff. You know, I think if I shared that today, I'd probably align myself with a whole lot of religions and a whole lot of beliefs that would agree on the same things. I could turn around and say, hey, look, you know, the reason why we shouldn't do these things is because if we keep murder and stealing and stuff like that away from our society, it creates a more stable society. I could have said that coveting uh, leads to a whole lot of stress that you don't need. Having a day off a week makes you feel good and not committing adultery saves your family from falling apart. Those are all like common sense things that could be said without even involving God in it. And you know what, without involving God in it and saying those things, I'll probably make myself quite popular and might find that all the other religions and people that don't even believe in God would happily align themselves with those thoughts. And as sensible as it may sound, that only makes sense though when God is behind them all. So for example, murder is wrong because it takes another person's life that has been given to them by God. God is the life giver. He's the only one that has the right to give life and the only one that has the right to take life. Bearing false witness or lying is wrong because God is a God of truth. And if we're followers of God, we want to be people of truth also. You see, the commandments take on a different emphasis when God is at the center of it. But Christianity is not about obeying a whole lot of rules for life. It's not about being the best or acting the best way or having a right moral code to guide us. The, the commandments are guidelines for life. They are not life itself. And this has to be explained because many people think that being a Christian is exactly that. It's about following a bunch of rules and a code to live by. And it's not. It's about getting and staying in right relationship with God, not about keeping rules. And that's why the first commandment is so important, because it puts God first. 
And for us to understand why it's important that God has been put first, I think we've got to understand about who God is, really. We've got to understand why he's first. You see, the commandments actually really start in the two verses prior to the first commandment. It says this in Exodus 20, verse 1 to 3. It says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You see, when somebody produces a legal document or a contract or something that they're going to commit themselves to, what happens is it always starts with, like, I, John Smith, um, declare as the underside hereby, this is what it is. You know, so a lot of legal documents start off by saying things like, I, Craig Jordan, declare that what is below is true and correct. And so it starts with the name of the person that is making the agreement. It's a legal agreement. And so it usually starts with the name of the person. And to me, this is a similar thing that starts here with the Ten Commandments. He starts off by talking about who he is before he starts talking about why we can't have other gods before him. There's two things I see here in these two verses where God really talks about who he is. The first one is that he is God, the maker of all things. And the second thing is he is redeemer, the one who saves his people. So let's look at the first one, God who created and sustains. It says in those first two verses, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God. God is the one that's behind all of what we see. He's the one powerful enough to create the star systems and delicate enough to create butterfly wings. God is the creator of all things. All the days, weeks, seasons, and cycles of life that we will never get to the bottom of nor understand fully are all God's handiwork. Colossians 1, 16 to 17 puts it this way. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And all the things that we see from the sun shining to flowers blooming, it all comes from God's hand. Jesus, God in the flesh, was also creator. We see that in the miracles that he performed in turning water into wine, multiplying bread and fish to feed thousands of people. He did the things that only a creator would do. Only God could do that. Jesus did that. But Jesus' main work that he did when he came to earth was not so much in creation, but in recreation, restoring and healing God's damaged creation from the blind seeing to the lame walking to even the dead raised. Jesus was all about restoring man and he's still all about restoring mankind today. He creates new things in our lives. He restores things. He renews things that are damaged and broken by sin. I don't know about you, but this should fill us with awe and it should move us to worship because God sustains everything. Everything we see, 
Everything we have is sustained by him. The second thing that he declares before he says, don't have any other gods before me, is that he's redeemer or the one who saves his people. He says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Why is he saying this at the start? Because he's reminding us that he acts on our behalf, that God moves on our behalf. He is the God that delivers us out of slavery. God is our redeemer, our rescuer, and our deliverer. And almost as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God announced that there would be a deliverer for you and I. In Genesis 3, 14 to 15, he says, So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. Now, the reality is, is 2000 years ago, a baby was born. His name was Jesus, and he grew up to be known as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He would give up his life as a ransom for many. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And somehow, in dying on the cross, the total innocent Jesus, God himself, took upon himself the guilt and all the sin of all of us. And once again, he became Redeemer, the God who saves. I've quite often thought, how do you explain that, that God took all the sins of the world upon him? There's a really interesting thing that I discovered as I was doing some research around all of this series. And I discovered, I found out how foxes get rid of fleas. I know you're wondering, what's that got to do with what I'm talking about? Well, it's pretty cool what they do. A fox, you see, um, when it has fleas, what it does is it will hunt around looking for a piece of wool. Once it finds a piece of wool, it holds that piece of wool in its mouth and it will go and find a river. It'll go and find the river and he holds the wool in his mouth. And what he does is that he ends up walking bit by bit into the river, holding the wool above the water in his mouth. And as he goes in slowly, the fleas actually run away from the water. So they move up, um, you know, through his back and tail and everything. As more and more of his body gets into the water, the fleas move more and more up closer towards his head. And at last, they end up running all over his nose and onto the piece of wool. Once all the fleas are onto the piece of wool, what the fox does is it lets the, uh, it puts its nose under the water and releases the wool. And so the wool goes downstream with the fleas. What a great thing that God has taught or created foxes to be able to do. But I believe that's an illustration of what Jesus has done for us. In some ways, you see, Jesus is the ball of wool. And in that moment on the cross, he acts as the focus of all the evil, absorbing all the sin of the world so that we could be clean. 
Now you see the Israelites knew that God had redeemed them from Egypt. And we know that Jesus has redeemed us from hell. It's just a tiny bit. It isn't just a tiny bit about what could be said. This is just a tiny bit, sorry, of what could be said about God. There's so much that could be said about him. There's no one like our God. He is the only true living God. And for him to be the God that's above all gods and we have no other gods before him, we need to recognize who God is for starters. And perhaps you're listening in today and you're going to have to admit for the first time in your life that God actually really does exist, especially with everything we're going through. We've got to recognize that God is concerned for us. He cares so much for you that he is personally and painfully intervened in history in order to pay for the price of your sin. God desires that we have right relationship with him. He wants you to be friends with him, to know him in this life and through all of eternity to spend every moment with him. And for us to have an, an amazing, abundant life, he loves us. We need to recognize that he exists. We need to recognize that he cares for us. We need to recognize that God commands us to live by his standards. Why? Why does God want us to live by his standards? Because he's the one who knows best how to live. He's the one who created life. He's the one that set up the whole entire world. He's the one who holds everything together. He knows how it works. The maker understands the best way for the product to work, if you want to put it that way. These commandments are, are not meant to be a weight around your neck, but they are boundaries around our lives in which we can safely live. They're not to weigh us down, but they're to put boundaries around us so that we can live in safety inside of them. God wants the fullest possible relationship with you. He wants to be first place in your life, and he wants to rule over every area of who we are and what we are. Can I encourage you, don't compartmentalize God. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. Don't put him in a box called spiritual and ignore him in every other area. You see, he's not a one day a week God. He's a 24-7 God. He wants everything about you and he deserves nothing less. You're not doing God a favor by making him the number one thing in the, your life. You're just recognizing the position that is rightfully his. No other gods before him. The commandments aren't because he wants us to do right things. They are because he wants us to have a right relationship with him. The thing about friendship and relationship is that it actually needs time to develop. No relationship develops quickly. It takes time. We've been married, Trinity and I, for 28 years. I think I'm starting to get to know her, maybe just a little bit. It takes time, yes? And so we need to give God time. No matter how busy our life is or friendship to develop, it needs time. We've got to make time for God. And you know, I was thinking about this whole thing with the lockdown and, and we could either see it as a problem or we can actually see it as an opportunity. 
for some of us, our greatest concern or one of our worries before lockdown was not having time with God or not having enough time with God or not having enough time with our family or not having enough time as a husband and wife. Here's the crazy thing. I know some of you are working from home, but the reality is you're not using travel time anymore. And so you've got time now in this season to build a relationship with God. Remember, James says that trials and temptations are bound to happen. Trials are things that happen to us. God doesn't make trials, but God uses trials. And I believe that God wants to use this season for you and I to build time into our relationship with him. And the first way that we can build that relationship with him and make sure that he's the God that's above all other gods is praise. Give time to praise God. Why? Because it's a response for all that he's done. It's just an opportunity to thank him for everything that he's done. I think that praise is the biggest antidote to the world's biggest problem, which is self-obsession. That praising God elevates ourselves. It elevates our perspective to stop thinking about ourselves and thinking about who he is. Praise puts God at the center of our lives and takes the focus off ourselves. Why don't you spend some time in praise this week? And on top of that, read your Bible. Your Bible is the way that we get to know him. Read it. If you can't read it, listen to it. Do what it says. When you go for a walk, if you get the opportunity during the season, put the Bible on audio on you version and listen to it as you go for a walk. Why? Because it takes our focus off listening to our own voices and our own words. You know, sometimes we need to have a break from our own thoughts because we think them enough. So this allows us to stop thinking about our thinking and start thinking how he thinks. And it helps us with advice for the world around us and what to do. It says this in Matthew 4 verse 4, it says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You, you can't live based on just working, living, eating. You, you live on the word of God. You need the word of God in life. We need to praise him because it gets rid of our self-obsession. And we need to read our word because what that does is it puts him at the center of every decision. John Henry Newman said this once. He said, I read the newspaper to know what people are doing, and I read the Bible to know what people ought to be doing. I love that. I read the newspaper to see what people are doing, but I read my Bible to see what people ought to be doing. The Bible is a clear way for you to understand how to make him the first, the first God, the number one, having no other gods before him. Praise, read your Bible, and confess. The reality is, is as you praise him and as you read the word, there's going to be moments where he's going to speak to you about stuff in your life that you need to sort. You see, confession is good for your soul. It's not good for your reputation, but it is good for your soul. But he says, confess to me and I'll forgive you. Confession is so important because it helps us to lay our lives completely open to him. 
asking him to show us where we haven't put him at the center of our lives, as well as times when we have lived the ways that have harmed our relationship with him. And we ask for his forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying going for walks every single day. And in that, I've been able to say to God, hey, what, what am I not doing right in my walk with you? Where am I not quite getting things wrong? How is our relationship going? Are there any areas in our relationship that you'd like to see improved? That's a conversation Trinity and I have every single anniversary that we have in May. We always sit down and say, what are the five good things that you think have been going really well in our marriage this last year? And what are five things that you want to see improved? Why? Because you've got to have that conversation. You've always got to be working on your relationship. And confession is a really good way to allow God to speak to you about the things that you need to do, but also the things that he may be concerned about. And then the last thing we can do is we can pray. We can praise him for what he's done. We can read his word to get him in the center of our lives. We confess so that our relationship gets stronger. But the last thing we do, or doesn't have to be the last. In fact, I think prayer should be our first priority, not our last response. But you can pray. Why? Because it brings our needs and our concerns to him. And in doing that, we're asking him to establish his ways in our world. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This helps us to take our hands off the things that are so tempting to hold on to, which actually hold us back and we give them over to God. If I'm honest with you today, and we were like, I probably need to go to a special kind of meeting and I would stand up and I'd say, hi, I'm Craig Jordan and I'm a control freak. That's just the reality. At our house, whenever the TV's on, the remote has to be in my hand. Why? Because I have a God-given calling to control the remote. The family doesn't think so, but I think so. I'm a control freak. I like to decide what we are and aren't going to watch. I know this is blowing some of your minds right now. You thought I was this really nice person, but I am a control freak. I like to be in control of things. But the reality is, is I can't control everything. The reality is, is that he's in control. And if we're going to have no other gods before him, I can't afford to have control or my control freak nature in front of what he wants to do. And what prayer does is prayer releases the control. Prayer releases the control from me and puts the control back into his hand. And here's the thing. When I let go of the thing that I'm trying to hold on to, usually it always works out perfectly because he has the whole world in his hands. God knows what he's doing. He's not saying to you, have no other gods before me because he has an insecurity problem. He's saying, have no other gods before me because when I'm number one, everything works out. Listen to this in Jeru Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 to 16. He says this, See, I set before you today life 
and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you wherever you go. You see, God's intention of him being first and God's intention of all the commandments is not about us keeping rules. It's not about us living by a moral code. It's about being in right relationship with him. And when we're in right relationship with him, not only is he the God who sustains our lives, he's the God who redeems our lives. And as we put time and energy into that relationship with him, he just pours out blessing upon blessing upon blessing. God wants to be first because he knows when he's first, everything works for you. All the commandments evolve around this one idea that God is the God of everything. I want to encourage you in the season that we're in or in this moment that we're in, it's so easy for us to worry about our future. It's so easy for us to try and control the things that are going around us. It's so easy for us to feel completely and totally out of control. But here's the cool thing. God's the God of all gods. He's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords, and he can be trusted. And our job is to make sure he's number one. And in making him number one, he will take care of us. He will take care of you, and you can build a great relationship with him. Can I encourage you over this time while we're locked down, spend that time with him that you've always wanted but never been able to do. And I want to I want to tell you that as you do that, as we make him first, everything else starts to fall into place.